you would, go with me to God in prayer as we begin. Father, as we come to you this morning, we give you our all. We give you this time of worship. We thank you, Father, for times like this. And I pray that we may never take them for granted in our hearts. And Father, for the songs that we have sung this morning that have just reminded us of your great love for us, the place that you have for us in your kingdom. And Father, how can we not sing when we realize how much we have from you? Thank you for that gift. Thank you for the ability to raise our voices up to you and to shout your name to this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. I want to take you back to 1998. There was a young Muslim man who had stolen some money from a family while living in a village in the northern part of Tajikistan. It wasn't the first time that this family had been robbed, and they knew that it definitely probably wouldn't be the last. Truth is, at least by our standards, he didn't take all that much, about $100. But still, there was no way that he was going to get away with it. And so this family began looking all over town for him. In fact, this man became so scared finding him that he disappeared to Russia for a few months because he knew that his friend would be looking for him. And so what he didn't know was that the reason he was hunting him down was to let him know that he really cared for him. And so knowing how desperately poor his family was, this man just wanted to try and love him the way that Jesus would. And so after he got back from Russia, he realized I'm out of options, and he decided to face the music. And so out of nowhere, one day he, he knocks on the door in tears, literally just shaking. And he, this man goes on to say, I brought him into our apartment, and I told him how much I loved him, and that I had already forgiven him, though I still made him work for me to pay back the $100. And he said, I gave him a hug, and he began to cry, and he hugged me back, unwilling to let go. And he talked about how much he had suffered so much over his 20 years that he had never tasted Jesus' love before like this. And so he began coming around the house more frequently. And eventually, one day he came to the man and he said, I want to stop living the life that I'm living right now. And I want to give my life to Jesus. He says, I want to be like you. And I want to have what you and your family have. And so that began a conversation one after another, day by day, to finally the man gave his life to the Lord. And he said, I remember one day knowing that he had turned from Islam and became a Christian, some men began to publicly ridicule him as he's walking through town, calling him a traitor. And he ended up walking straight to his office from there full of tears, just very shaken up. And he says, I, I grabbed my Bible and I read from Luke chapter 6, verse 22, where Jesus says, 
Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, who reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. In fact, for several months, he insisted that we call him uh, Kofir, which is the very word that those men used to mock him. He was a traitor. But he realized that he was a traitor whose life had been changed by Jesus Christ. And it was in that moment that he chose, and this is the part that I really like, he chose to go back to his village to share all that God had done in his life. Now, you think about that. Living where he lived in that part of the country, even to this day, it was a risk, wasn't it? But he was willing to go through and to take as many risks as possible to tell more people about this man named Jesus. Who was he to be doing things like this? A lot of people in 1998 asked that question. And so they rejected him even though he had helped so many people. I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We have a pew Bible there. You may have a smart gadget. You may have your own Bible. I just want you to find Luke chapter 4, and I want you to listen to this passage. Because as I read that story, and I was thinking about our text for today, a similar thing happened to Jesus. Someone most everyone knew. And one day he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth and he recited these verses from long ago from the prophet Isaiah. And here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And at that moment, Jesus put the scroll in its place. And you see what he did after that? He sat back down. And then with everyone glued to him, Jesus said, Today. This is where it really started ringing true. He said, Today, right now, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. Because some still didn't understand that. Some still didn't see that he's the Messiah, that he is the one. He is God's son. And so when he said, right now, today, this is being fulfilled, man, what a message that was being sent. And church, here's what we need to understand. Nothing that Jesus could have been, nothing that Jesus said could have been more powerful and controversial than those words that he just proclaimed. But at the same time, those words are perfect in expressing the mission of who Jesus is. I came to preach good news to the poor. I've come to proclaim freedom. How many of you want to experience freedom every day? 
And do you realize something, church? Jesus has come to unlock the shackles. He has come to set us free from our greatest problem, and that is sin. But at the same time that he has set us free, guess who's trying to get us back? The moment that God has set us free, Satan, from the beginning of time, is there to try to take us back. Do you feel the tug of Satan each and every day of your life? Do we feel the tug of Satan today in this world that we live in? Just ask your kids. Satan is well and alive. He is at work. And the moment that God said, here's my son, and here's what I want him to proclaim, and here's the mission that I want him to live out, Boy, Satan is looking at that and hearing that and saying, no way. And at that point, he begins each and every moment of life trying to attack us while God continues to to set us free through his son, Jesus. And so he came to proclaim the good news that the rule and the reign of God had come into this world in fierce opposition to the ruler of this world, and that he is the anointed one set apart to not only destroy the ultimate power of this world, which is sin and death, but also, at the same time, he's wanting to redeem humanity. He's wanting to get us back. Because you and I are the crown of his creation. Did you realize that? You and I are the crown of of his creation, and he's trying to bring us back into an intimate relationship with God and with one another in the community called the church. That's why the church should be such a powerful force in this world, because it's God's plan. It is God's design, and and you and I are part of it, and he is using us through the church, to bring people back to his son Jesus. Amen? And I know there are times where we get down on church. Okay? Folks, we may be down on people, but don't give up on Christ and his church. Amen? Boy, that sounded enthusiastic. Again, we may be down on one another, we may be down on people, but we should never be down on Christ and his church, because this is his plan. And guess what? You and I are a part of that. And so if things aren't good and we're not happy, guess who can change that? Me. And you. One person at a time. One mission at a time. And so whenever Jesus healed the sick or delivered the oppressed, he's testifying to the fact that the kingdom of God, now look at this, that the kingdom of God is striking back at the kingdom of the world. And he's intent on taking back what was once his. Now what was that? Who was that? You 
and me. He's coming to get us back. I want you to look over in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in several passages this morning, so you might can move faster in your Bible than you can on your smart thing. I don't know, but we'll see. But stay up with me. Look in Matthew chapter 4. Look beginning in verse 23. He's just had the calling of the first disciples, and they've immediately left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. And he's going throughout Galilee... Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he's teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Jordan followed him. And again, just like in Luke chapter 4, he is ushering in the kingdom. Okay, He is bringing in the kingdom, and here's what that meant. There's a new kid on the block. Okay, That's Jesus, and he has brought a new reign. He's brought a new rule And guess where he wants that reign and that rule to now be? He wants it to be all over us. He wants it to be all up inside of our life. And so everywhere we go, we send a message to the world that we are the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom. Man, what a great deal. And so every time we do something in the name of Jesus, guess what we're doing? We are striking back at Satan. We are fighting back and we're striking back the very thing that Satan is trying to grab a hold of and paralyze us so we won't do any more good in the name of his son, Jesus. And so these miracles that Jesus performed, they were simply signs of what they would experience when the fullness of the kingdom was established. And so casting out demons signals God's invasion of the realm of Satan and Satan's final destruction. The idea of bringing healing bears witness to the end of all suffering. And all these miraculous provisions of food tell us about the end of all human need. And then Jesus' restoration of the broken speaks of the fact that one day there's not going to be any more tears, no more pain, no more fear, and no more shame. You know why? Because when you live life in the kingdom, you're not just living life for here and now, you're living life for tomorrow, and you're living life for the next day, and you're living life to realize that when life here on this earth is finished, Oh, to God be the glory, we're going home. That's why we do what we do. That's why we fight the battles that we fight. That's why we continue day by day by day denying ourselves and taking up that cross and bowing down to the knee and to the forefront of what Jesus wants for our life. 
Bottom line, these miracles show us what the kingdom of God is like. And it was like nothing they had ever experienced. And what a ride they were going to be on in their life. And the same can be said for us. Because as we live life in the kingdom of God, day by day, we just get another glimpse of God's love. We get another glimpse of His peace. We get another glimpse of His joy. We get another glimpse to realize God is really at work. And I want to show you something. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Alan led us this morning in a beautiful song reminding us of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Acts comes next. Uh, Acts chapter 1, this is where Luke, he's writing to Theophilus. And here's what he says. In my first book, which was Luke, I told you about everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now notice what Luke says here, that he began to do and teach. Because what he wants us to understand is that Jesus is doing and teaching didn't simply come to an end after the gospel was written. Look in uh, verse 3 of chapter 1. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the, what's the phrase? He spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of great things that transpires throughout the book of Acts. But I want you to jump over to the very last page of Acts, Acts chapter 28. And I want you to look in verse 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God, and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts begins with the kingdom of God. And everything that goes in between, great, powerful, powerful things took place in the life of the church. And then in Acts chapter 28, Paul, a prisoner in his own house, and yet what is he doing? Boldly. I mean in chains, he is boldly proclaiming and he continues to teach about the kingdom of God. And what Luke is saying is that if you liked the first one, you're, you get the impression that the most exciting part ended in, in Luke's gospel. You just wait because when you turn and you get past John and get to the sequel in Acts, you're really going to get fired up to see what happens when the kingdom of God just explodes. And you know who's at work in that? God is at work through His church. That's us. God is at work through us as we continue the ministry. So Jesus not only had a distinct message, which was the good news of the kingdom, but he also had a distinct ministry, 
where he demonstrated the reality of the kingdom of God, and he did that by healing the, by healing the sick and casting out demons and bringing peace one person at a time. And so church, here's the deal. We are called as a church and as a community of the kingdom to proclaim the good news that God has come for us and he wants to bring us back into intimate fellowship with him. And here's the bottom line. Our calling as disciples of Jesus is not only to hear the message, but listen to this. It is to continue the ministry. The disciples knew that. And Jesus tried his best to, re- to help the disciples realize there's going to be a day where I'm gone, where I am not here face to face with you. But you, as my disciples, are to carry on the mission. And now that the disciples are gone, guess who that falls to now? That falls to you. And that falls to me. We are to continue the ministry of Jesus each and every day. And so as the church embraces both the word and the works of Jesus, what we experience is this. We experience a church that is utterly in love with Jesus and we're passionate about being in His presence. And we will be a church that sees its ministry as not just what happens on Sundays, but what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And guess what? We come back again on Sunday to be revived and to be fired up to go out into the world and do the same thing again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And guess, you see the cycle? And I know you're sitting there going, I know, I'm just kind of in a rut. Hey, when you realize that the power of God is available and the power of God is at work through you, That means mighty things can still be accomplished in the world that we live in. And what we do every time we speak and every time we do something good in the name of Jesus, we are striking back at Satan. We're striking back at what he's trying to take from us because from the very beginning of time, God sends a message to his people that I love the world that I'm going to create. And I love it so much that I want people to live in my world. But here's the difference. He wants people to live in this world as living in his kingdom. And as we live in the kingdom, Alan read from us to us a moment ago from Colossians chapter 3, there are certain things that we say and certain things that we don't say as we live life in the kingdom of God. Now, why is that? Bottom line is this. You're not in charge anymore. There's a new king, and it's not you. And so when we bow down and worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords, we live life and we do things according to his way, not our own. And you know what? Every day of life 
we have to say no to self. And we have to embrace what kingdom living is all about. And so what if your job as a believer in Jesus is not to try harder or run faster or rev up emotions or pretend like that everything is okay? What if God really was at work in every moment, in every place, and our job is simply just to join Him at work? That question is reality. Because that's exactly what took place right here. Life was happening at a fast pace, just like it is now. God comes along through His Son Jesus, gives us His Spirit, and guess what? He says, now you're going to live life under a whole new realm, under a whole new reign, and it's going to be amazing. And you get to be a part of it. And the cool thing is, it's not about us anymore. It's about doing things that please our master. And so, why do we want to grow closer to him? Because God tells us to. Why do we want to put aside sinful things? Because it keeps us from relationship with a holy God. What have I done? What have you done to deserve any of that? Not a thing. Not a thing. You've been chosen. You've been chosen to live and to be a part of the kingdom. And so, in spite of all the issues that come our way today, here's what God invites us to do. We have to choose to come humbly to Him with hunger and thirst for more of Him. With that surrendered and that expectant heart asking Him to fill us again with His Spirit. We sang it just a moment ago, Lord, take control. That's what we're asking Him to do. Lord, my heart my mind, my soul, my body, I give it all to you and I'm asking you to take control of my life and my heart. And as we worship and as we hunger for more of him and as we cry out for the kingdom to break out all over Paris in this area, we find that we really are just continuing the ministry of Jesus. What a deal. And we get to be a part of that. And as we do that, we pray that more and more people, just like the man back in 1998, came to know Jesus. We long for the day when just one more person says, I'm tired of living life for me and I'm ready to live life for Jesus. That's what living in the kingdom is all about. It's all about bringing praise and glory and honor to the Father. Praise be to God. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know this. 
God loves you a lot. He loves you so much that he was willing to give up his best for you. And what he wants every day is just for us to give him our best. Give him our life. Give him our all. And so this morning we're going to have a time of invitation as we continue to worship. And Maybe some have fallen away and some are just wanting to come back to know him. Maybe sin is just all up in your life. The blood of Jesus can take care of that. Maybe you're here and you're ready to begin that walk. And you're ready to be buried with him in baptism so that his spirit can come and take up residence right here in your heart. I don't know what your plans may be, but whatever you have on your heart this morning, if you desire to come in a public way and respond to us, we ask that you do that right now as Alan comes to lead us in this song. Let's stand as we sing.